Attention, all troops. He's alive. Alive. Welcome to the Rapnolis. My family had this giant hi-fi stereo. It was probably seven feet long, it had giant speakers. You lift the top up, and then there was this console inside. It was beautiful blue light. I loved it to death. I would play pretty much just children's albums when I was allowed near it. Sometimes I'd turn on the radio. I remember it had this really warm, soft tone to it. On the sides of the stereo, there were these sort of underslots that weren't easy to get to, but my family would store all their albums in there. And generally, I had my albums that I liked, and those would always sit on the top, and I would constantly be throwing them in. But sometimes I'd like to leaf through them, and at one point, I found an album by Dolly Parton. It was the album Here You Come Again, and it had Dolly on the cover. I had seen Dolly on, I think, The Tonight Show. I'm not sure where, but I decided to put the album on, and I really enjoyed it. I really liked the main song, Here You Come Again. I liked Loving You, Two Doors Down, just everything about it. It's funny, as I talk about it now, I hadn't listened to the album again until recently, and it brought lots of memories flooding back. One of my favorite memories is lying on the floor in our dining room, and I'm kind of halfway wedged between the big stereo and the dining room table, and I'm laying on the floor, and I'm staring up at the window, and kind of can see outside, and I'm listening to Dolly Parton, and my sister comes in, and she's like, what are you listening to? I said, I think I'm listening to the Dolly Parton album. She goes, you like this, huh? I said, yeah. And she just gave me this look, a look that I'm much more familiar with as an adult, a sort of, huh, and then a sort of head shake, like, I don't understand him. And then she just walked away. I remember rolling over and watching her walk away and thinking, well, that's weird. And then just rolling over and listening to Dolly Parton some more. As Dolly would appear in movies, I would become a fan of her acting. Still think she's an amazing singer. We'll talk a little bit about her later. On today's show, I'd like to talk to you about one of my favorite Dolly Parton films, 9 to 5. We'll talk about the people in front of and behind the camera. We'll talk about the production. We'll talk about the Broadway show, the music, and much more. We have an info-packed episode ahead of us, so without further ado, let's start the show. Nine to Five is a 1980 comedy directed by Colin Higgins. It was written by Higgins and Patricia Resnick, and it stars Lily Tomlin, Dolly Parton, and Jane Fonda. The story is about three working women, late 70s, early 80s, who have a lot of good ideas, but they have kind of a jerk of a boss, played by Dabney Coleman, masterfully by Dabney Coleman, and the whole story concerns them getting revenge, rising up, 
As I mentioned, the film was directed by Colin Higgins. He was born in 1941. He passed away in 1988. And I've talked about Higgins before when I covered Foul Play a couple episodes back. And he also wrote the screenplay for the 1971 film Harold and Maude. So Harold and Maude, Foul Play, and 9 to 5. And add to that, he also wrote the script for the 1976 film Silver Streak. So you could pretty much sit me down in front of a TV and just show me Colin Higgins' films or Colin Higgins' penned films, and I'd be happy all day. Big Colin Higgins fan. The film was co-written by Patricia Resnick. Resnick, as a writer's best work, might be 9 to 5 to me, but she also worked on 1978's A Wedding and 1992's The Player. So let's talk a little bit about where the idea for 9 to 5 came from. In the late 70s, early 80s, Jane Fonda had started her own production company. She was hearing stories from a friend about a women's office workers organization. And taking that idea, she went back to the 1948 film Unfaithfully Yours, which is a Preston Sturgis comedy, and mixed those ideas together, and you get 9 to 5. Patricia Resnick would write the first draft of the film. Then when Colin Higgins came on to direct, he would rewrite the script. And that was a challenge because he needed to make room for all three stars at that point. Fonda was very much into the artistic process and didn't push to have the film go into production too early. She wanted to give Higgins time to finish the rewrite, make sure that everybody's schedules were complete. And that was difficult for Lily Tomlin, who was exploding at the time. We'll talk a little bit about her later. Higgins said he actually expected a lot of tension on the film, but the three stars got along quite easily with one another. And they were committed to finishing it, even though Tomlin at first wanted to get out of the film. Something else we'll talk about when we get to Tomlin. The movie was filmed in California, primarily in and around Los Angeles, including Bel Air. And the story appears to be set in Los Angeles in general. But if you watch the opening credits, which is a montage of shots, it's actually of San Francisco. Something I would find out when I moved to San Francisco and I was watching 9 to 5. And then I got really confused because I had thought, well, this is an L.A. film. And suddenly I'm seeing it as a San Francisco film. I think that's just a coincidence. They decided that maybe San Francisco was more picturesque for the montage. And it is. It's beautiful. Fun fact, if you've been to San Francisco, they have these famous twins, Marion and Vivian Brown. There's a brief glimpse of them in the opening credits. So if you're a San Franciscan, there's a little Easter egg for you. We'll return after these messages. made two packages of rice at one time. Besides having it for dinner, we like it warmed up for breakfast. It's a great break from hash browns, and we replace those sugar-coated cereals with nutritious rice And for lunch, rice extends our leftovers or blends beautifully into soups. Of course, rice is the family favorite for dinner tonight, and tomorrow night, and the next night. rice the San Francisco treat. And now... Back to our show. So I'm going to talk a little bit about the plot of the film. I'll try not to go too deep. If you haven't seen the film, you might want to not listen to this or just listen to it and then watch the film afterwards. The film is about three working professional women. Judy Burnley, played by Jane Fonda. Violet Newstead, played by Lily Tomlin. And Dora Lee Rhodes, played by Dolly Parton. All three of them have very different jobs. Judy Burnley is just starting her career after her husband and her split up. Lily Tomlin has been at this particular company, Consolidated, for a long time. And 
Dolly Parton is the personal secretary to the evil boss, Franklin Hart Jr., played by Dabney Coleman. Things get out of hand when you find out just how much of a sleazeball Franklin Hart is, and there's a sort of minor revolt and some bonding, and then almost an unintentional murder, which sort of spirals into kidnapping, and then these three take over the office, basically pretending to be the voice of their boss. Needless to say, two things happen, wacky hijinks ensue, and they also do an amazing job. So it's an empowerment story and a revenge fantasy all in one, although the revenge is pretty light, and it's much more heavy on the empowerment. 9 to 5 has the critics raving on overtime. Bingo! The comedy hit of the season, says CBS Radio. I'm no fool. I've killed the boss. You think they're not going to fire me for a thing like that? Playboy magazine calls it the liveliest office party of the year. And the New York Daily News says Jane Fonda, Lily Tomlin, and Dolly Parton make a terrific team. 9 to 5 from 20th Century Fox, rated PG. Now playing at a selected theater near you. Now let's talk a little bit about this cast. You had Jane Fonda as Judy Burnley. Jane Fonda, American actress, born in 1937. Fitness guru, I guess you could say. Has been working in films since the 60s. Best known for maybe Barbarella, Cat Ballou, Coming Home, Clute, On Golden Pond. She's done a lot of great stuff. I remember seeing her in Barbarella as a kid and On Golden Pond. A lot of my opinion as a kid of Jane Fonda was not because of her acting ability. I had seen her in a lot of movies, but instead it was because people in my town did not really seem to like her very much. I remember there were bumper stickers on a lot of cars that said stuff like, I'm not fond of Jane. I had no idea what it was about. I just remembered that it was because of her opposition to the Vietnam War. Not sure if my town was pro-Vietnam War, but not pro-Jane Fonda. I didn't have much of an opinion otherwise. I just wanted to share this sort of world that I was in at the time. Seeing Jane Fonda on the screen was, for me, pretty neutral. But I have actually friends who wouldn't watch this movie because their parents were very opposed to Jane Fonda. Lily Tomlin played Violet Newstead. She's a widow, has a lot of kids. One of those assets at a company that really helps drive a company but is constantly passed over for promotion or even minor accolades. Tomlin originally turned down the role of Violet because she was working on the 1981 film The Incredible Shrinking Woman, a film I also like. I'll have to cover that. She would eventually work on the film, but would even try to get out once filming started because they filmed these animated sequences in the film early on. And so she's watching herself interact with animated things that aren't there. And she's thinking, I got to get out of this thing. But the director sat her down, said, come on, please, we'll, we'll get through this. And as she started to see more dailies come in, she started to really believe in the project. Mary Jean Lily Tomlin was born in 1939. Multi-talented, drama, comedy, she can do it all. She's been working since the 60s pretty consistently. Still working today with Jane Fonda on a TV series. Last but not least of the triumvirate, Dolly Parton played Doralee Rhodes. This was Dolly Parton's theatrical film debut. And not only did she learn the role of Doralee Rhodes, she actually committed everybody's parts to memory. Not only was she a very good actress, she also sang the theme song, Nine to Five, which became a huge hit. And Dolly Parton accepted the role with the stipulation that she could write and sing the theme song. And that song was nominated for an Academy Award and won two Grammys that year. So 
pretty good. And she would do this for almost every other film that she starred in. She even would write a song for the film Steel Magnolias, which she was in, but they decided not to use that. Dolly Rebecca Parton was born in 1946, singer, songwriter, chart topper, pretty much an American treasure. If you don't believe that, I'll fight you. What's a great story of conflict without a great villain? And one of the best is Dabney Coleman playing Franklin Hart Jr., jerk of a boss, brilliant actor. Dabney Wharton Coleman was born in 1932, did some amazing films in the 70s and 80s, including The Towering Inferno, On Golden Pond, Tootsie War Games, Cloak and Dagger, 9 to 5, You've Got Mail. He continued to work, was in the TV show Boardwalk Empire. Very talented guy. Rounding out the cast, you had Sterling Hayden as Russell Tinsworthy, a role that Gregory Peck and Charlton Heston were offered and turned down. You had Elizabeth Wilson as Roz Keith, Mr. Hart's administrative assistant, who steals scenes like you wouldn't believe. Not a surprise. Wilson was an amazing character actor. You also had the character actor Henry Jones as Mr. Hinkle, who's the president of Consolidated. Then there's about 50 other people in this film. Stumble to the kitchen, pour myself a cup of ambition And yawn and stretch and try to come to life Jump in the shower and the blood starts That is the intro to the theme song to 9 to 5, which would become one of the biggest hits of the decade. The song would go to number one for two weeks on the Billboard Hot 100, as well as the U.S. Country Singles Chart, and was nominated for a lot of awards, including the Academy Award for Best Song. It would go on to become certified platinum. Now, I don't know if you remember at the time, but there's another song called 9 to 5, which is called Morning Train 9 to 5, and that was by Sheena Easton. She released the song in the UK, and the song was titled 9 to 5, but with Pardon Song being so successful, and to avoid confusion, they renamed the song Morning Train 9 to 5 for its release in North America. The music for the film was composed by Charles Fox, and there's a pretty good soundtrack to this, if you can track it down. Fox was born in 1940, television and film composer. He did the theme song for Love American Style and the original music for Monday Night Football and ABC's Wide World of Sports. In pop songs, he's probably best known for the Grammy-winning hit song Killing Me Softly with his song. Now, in 1980, VCRs were just starting to come into their own, and they had actually planned to release 9 to 5 on VHS and in the theater at the same time. Something that was really pushing the envelope. The theater owners balked, so they gave it a three-month delay. So despite this film being a huge hit, it was out on VHS pretty quickly, and you could rent it. And then it was on cable TV ad nauseum for years afterwards. It was released at the end of 1980, on December 19th. It had a budget of $10 million, and it would go on to make $103.3 million. It was the second most popular film in the United States that year. Now, can you guess what the most popular film that year was? I know all you Star Wars people are like, yeah, yeah, I know this. So it was The Empire Strikes Back, which made double what 9 to 5 made. But then, it's kind of interesting to see what was underneath that. Yeah, The Empire Strikes Back, 9 to 5, Stir Crazy, which I love. Stir Crazy did pretty well. It almost beat 9 to 5. It made $101 million. Airplane, which I thought would be the number two movie. 
Any Which Way You Can, if you love orangutans, that's a great film. Private Benjamin, oh, I love that movie. Coal Miner's Daughter, eh, okay. Smokey and the Bandit 2, not bad. The Blue Lagoon, and then finally, at number 10 was The Blues Brothers. The American Film Institute loves this film, especially for the music and comedy. In lists that they've put together, they always mention 9 to 5, rightfully so. We'll return after these messages. stays in this room? Frank Sinatra. Frank Sinatra? You know who slept in that bed? Oh. Kenny Rogers. Kenny Rogers is my favorite. And you know who bit this toast? Dolly Parton. <gasps> Dolly Parton is the best! And this is the room where they make the Golden Nugget commercials with Steve. Who? Steve. And now, back to our show. Now, this might not come as a shock to anyone, maybe some of you even watched it, but there was a 9 to 5 television series, and it had a really weird run. It would run from 1982 to 1983, and then from 1986 to 1988. And the show originally had Rachel Dennison, Rita Moreno, and Valerie Curtin in it. That was for the first run, and then in the second one, Moreno would go away, and she would be replaced by Sally Struthers. The first couple of seasons of the show were pretty good. And that actually coincides with Jane Fonda being the executive producer of the show. But then they wanted to take the show in a different direction. In season three, Fonda did not like it and left. And probably was a good idea she left because the show declined in quality, in my opinion. And I'm not alone because the ratings fell. It was the second to last show. And in the third season, it was canceled five episodes into the new season. Then in 1986, suddenly the show's back in first run syndication. Unfortunately, at that time, I didn't watch the show, but it didn't last very long. Some of you might know that 9 to 5 would eventually become a musical with music written by Dolly Parton. The play would hit Broadway on April 30th, 2009. Unfortunately, low ticket sales, lack of interest, probably coupled with the downturn in the economy, killed 9 to 5. And in September of 2009, it had its last show, but then would go on to tour in September 2010. And I've read reviews online, and a lot of people really liked the Broadway show. For years after this film came out, there were multiple attempts to both reunite the cast in a different story or make a sequel to 9 to 5. Unfortunately, Colin Higgins passed away before he could generate enough interest. And Fonda, who's been interviewed many times, said that if the right script had come along, she would have enthusiastically did it. But unfortunately, that never happened. If you listen to the DVD commentary, the three stars also say that they would have loved to have done it, but nothing ever happened. 9 to 5 is a great film, very funny, filled with tremendous talent, a fun storyline, rooting for an underdog, something most of us can get behind. Unfortunately, it's not one that a lot of modern audiences are taking to. I keep expecting one day to see something about a remake of this, and I'm kind of glad they don't, because it really captures an interesting time as we move out of the 70s and into the 80s, and more and more women are entering the workforce. The film is light, but it has some dark themes. So if you like good comedies, if you want to hear a great song, and you haven't seen this film or haven't seen it in a while, put on 9 to 5 again. Guarantee you like it. Maybe you'll even realize how amazing Dolly Parton is, and you can pick up some of her albums. Find yourself a sun-soaked area on the carpet of your living room. Lay down and listen to some great music. I think that's what I'm going to do this afternoon. 
Thanks for listening to the show. For more retro fun, you can drop by the website at www.retroist.com. You can follow me on Twitter and Facebook. I'm at twitter.com slash retroist and facebook.com slash retroist.com. The music you hear on the show is by Peachy. If you have musical needs, you can email Peachy at peachy at retroist.com. Thanks for listening to the show, and I hope you have a great weekend. So my sister got a copy of the Jane Fonda tape, which was, I guess, a bootleg of it because it was just on a tape. And then I taped over it and she was so mad. But then I thought, you've been doing this thing for a year. You don't know it by heart by now. This has been a retrospective production. Goodbye.